You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. Hey everyone, in this episode, Rich and I are super excited to bring on a new guest, Patch. Patch is launching a Kickstarter, it's actually already launched, about a new RPG called Terranary. It's a pretty interesting gig. It's like, it's a sci-fi RPG released as a zine as part of Zine Quest 2 on Kickstarter. Really cool concept, really cool approach to getting a game out there. Very accessible and affordable and pretty neat game system to boot. Not anything that we've ever heard before. Patch breaks it all down for us and is just a, a phenomenal creator. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming. Everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everyone, this is David with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the Quirrellus, Rich. Oh my god, that's the group I was in at Harry Potter Land. (laughs) When I was in Hogwarts, I was a Coralist member. No, you weren't. Yeah. You know, they got Hif Higglepuffs and they got Gryffindors and Coralers and Snakes. I was a Coraler. All the Harry Potter fans are like crawling out of their skin right now. I love the There's- Harry Potters. I've read all the books. Dave, have you read the books? I have not turned a single oh! page. Oh. <laughs> Your lack of Harry Potter information, once again, I am a Corliss. <laughs> but I know there's no Corliss house. <laughs> That's what you say. Let's let all the Harry Potter fans decide. They will all agree with me shortly in the comments. Listeners, do not back him in this. You you, you speak your truth. You say what is real. <laughs> that there's no Corliss house. I'm part of the Corliss house. What was their color, Rich? What was the Corliss color? Yellow and red. That was Gryffindor. Come on. No, that's a Corliss team. <laughs> I swear, ah! dude. I swear it's yellow and red. And um, Muggy McMuffin is part of that team. <laughs> Stop it. He's in the movies and in the books. Have you read the books? No. Muggy McMuffin? I've seen, the mo- I've seen the movies and there's no Muggy McMuffin. Oh, he's only on for a little short time. Oh, Just a quick little. They're like, oh, hello, Muggy. Welcome to the Corliss house. It's really quick. <laughs> so, everybody agree with me. It's Coralus. Dave doesn't know what he's talking about. Back to our regular scheduled program. Oh, my God. Yeah, so <clears throat> patiently waiting in the wings. Uh, Patch, welcome to the show, Patch. It is so good to have you on. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And just for the record, I'm I'm a member of Clavin Raw, and that's that's totally... See? You know, Cliff, you know, Cliff Clavin Raw. That's, that's who I am part of. <laughs> Yeah. See, and, and now I believe Patch because I don't know Patch, but but Rich, I don't I don't believe you. I love that you just immediately <laughs> don't believe me. You yes. get other great information from new new areas. Patch, thanks for the great info, and you just believe that immediately. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Patch has a great voice, a voice you can trust. You know, oh yeah, that's true. He does have a great voice. Well, thank you. You know, and I do have this bridge for sale right over here as well. You know, I'm in Portland, so we've (laughs) got several. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah, so Patch, uh, you kind of came our way by way of the uh, High Shelf Gaming community member, Katrina. And I I think the two of you knew each other in a past life. Yeah, it's pretty much much the exact way. Um, 
Katrina and I both moderate for uh, Geek and Sundry. Back in the day when we met, it was still Project Alpha, and they were behind the behind the paywall. And we ended up meeting, and we were at that time we were still doing Critical Role as part of Geek and Sundry's principal broadcasting. Right. So because we're spending so much time together, all of us moderating and getting to know each other and chatting it up, we said, you know, they're playing D and D, they're playing role-playing games why don't we have an inside game for the moderators that so is cool one of us decided yeah i'll i'll create a i've always wanted a dm so i started dming it wasn't me it was greggles and Gregina said yeah i'm game for that immediately and i said oh i'm absolutely game for this That's and cool. the two of us uh and i just got along immediately we had our two characters we decided that they're a little kind of they like to sneak around and hide and do a lot of things she was playing a rogue i was playing a monk and so it worked out pretty well where oh, yeah. the two of us of, just worked out really well. Sneaky, oh, yeah. Sneakies, definitely. Oh, yeah. So we, we got along famously right out of the gate. And we were pretty good friends already, just starting to you know know each other pretty well during the uh, during moderating of the shows. So we, we enjoyed I, it. I really dig on that, that there was like this community of moderators like, hey, let's all game together. And there's like this private moderators game that all of you were invited in and, and could play in. And like, that's just a really like heartwarming thing because – you know, like when you join a, sh- a channel like that and you there are certainly moderators as an attendee or as an audience member, it, it can feel like they're just like an otherworldly like being or something, you know, like because because you don't really get to know them. But it's really cool hearing that that the lot of you were all, you know, close friends and gaming together and uh, really had a lot of side interests beyond just being moderators of the show. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent insight. We, you know, we are fans of the content. Ultimately, we are, we didn't just come in to become, you know, the the overlords of chat or the the gatekeepers <laughs> or what have you. I mean, you know, whatever the I hell you want to call it. Lords of chat. <laughs> lords of chat. You should see me dance. Uh, <laughs> And we just decided it was going to be a good thing for us to, you know, pick up on what are we enjoying about this? Well, they're gaming. We should game too. Does everybody else like that? Well, that's why we're here. So yeah. it just made perfect sense to to do do our own thing. And you know, so, ultimately, we're our own community. We're part of the big community as well. Not just you know, moderators are there too. We're not just we're not just gatekeepers. And gaming with cats really fun too. We've done that many times. She's a blast. She is. She's creative, smart, fun. Uh, mm-hmm. She gets into her characters really well. Tactically, like very sound. Um, we just did. We just did a heist last session. I was like, "Good on you, Katrina. You uh, <laughs> you navigated those waters quite well." So, I, actually, we're kind of in the middle of our starter question for all of our guests. What what kind of gamer are you? What got you into gaming or, or what games do you play now? It's something to like, obviously you're involved, heavily involved in the moderating community for Geek and Sundry, Project Alpha, all of that stuff. And you obviously play D&D, but mm. what other gaming avenues are you are you into? So uh, a young man named Patch was was a boy <laughs> down in, in his hometown on the coast in Oregon with his friends we were all vociferous readers, heavy readers. Mm-hmm. So anything we could get our hands on to read, we would do so. So we were reading science fantasy and science fiction. We were reading sword and sorcery. We were reading, you know, big, big novels. We were reading the classics. We were, you know, just nerdy talking to each other about books. Sure, talk, yeah. talk, talk to me about books. We'll have a good time. But 
we also were into creating our own worlds and having that kind of adventure of, you know, well, you know, if I were writing the, anything by Rudyard Kipling, I would want to do this. Or if I was writing, you know, Lord of the Rings, how about we do these things? Mm. That's cool. So just some like world building that you all were doing. Very much so. And one of my friends um, named Wayne was into it so much that he ended up creating basically a world of his own. And it had to do with God's becoming a human and having to go through a purgatory to become better gods. Oh, so cool. in order to be once becoming a god after dying, then they you know live for a while and you know godhood it gets kind of boring after a while. So how do you take care of that? You go back to being mortal for a short while, but you forget being a god, and so then you I, become a better god after you have that insight. I kind of feel like this is almost like um, oh in the in the gaming like first person shooter culture there's a some games will have like prestiging where you start all over. Ooh, good call. Where it's yeah. like it's like you have you have attained all that you can with this coil with this immortal coil. So you slough it off become mortal again and and rise through the ranks all over again is that sort of the the gig? For him, for Wayne it was very much similar to that. It was That's it was so a cool. memory wipe of everything else. If if you're thinking about something where a god would end up doing that and then having um a starting all over again but retaining all that information that sounds very similar to keith baker's um, phoenix dawn command mm. which is a great game as well and so he's cool. also a portland guy and he's just amazing and you know everything he's made i mean he made aberron for god's sakes i mean right know. right yeah i just but, just so good so good but we ended up just you know toying with his game for a little while and then of course we were doing it basically using D D roles and then after a while we were like we want to get bigger so he started playing riffs and gurps and we tried those systems and palladium you know palladium is very crunchy but that of course said hey we do like crunchy because we're nerdy like this um yeah uh, does, so it kind of strikes me that maybe you're like an 80s kid or a 90s kid yeah i am uh, i was i was born when, in 74 okay yes yeah, so when you start talking about riffs like riffs was yes. real big <laughs> in the 80s and i remember that was probably my third game system that I played was Rifts and the Palladian yeah. systems and all that stuff. So Yeah, it was Ascension, which is what Wayne's game was called, and D&D. And we were playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and then we were playing AD&D 2. And, and then Spelljammer happened, and, you know, everybody kind of started walking away a little bit. And we were like, eh, <laughs> let's try Rifts. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that happened. Spelljammer. Yeah, good idea, bad execution, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Sorry, TSR. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so many people want it wizards. back. They're like, hey, you should get a second shot at it. And I think the folks over at Hasbro are like, wait, wait, wait. This thing that failed miserably, they want us to do again? Like, yeah. I get nostalgia. I totally get nostalgia. But you're right. Like, Riffs won that corner of the market. They absolutely did. I mean, I remember playing in Oni and having a good time. And just, you know, that was an amazing creation. I mean, Glitter Boys, oh, they, yeah. all this. They were good stuff. Squishy on the inside. <laughs> Tough as nails deadly. outside. I mean, holy cow. Battletech. I mean, all of oh, this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which which leads me into the real thing, which was there became a, a rift if they're if, to use the pun in our group of friends where a lot of them started getting more and more angry at us trying to use sci-fi and, and you know Star Trek the next generation's coming back and you know we yeah. were all trek we were all trekkers back in the day. And yes. we were just you know, I like my sci-fi. I loved it. And I I did like my sword and sorcery, but it was definitely if I had to choose, there's no question. I want the tech. Um yeah. but a lot of us in our group were very much like uh we like sword and sorcery. We're Conan fans. We're big on this stuff. We're 
doing that. So we split down the middle. Oh. And so a lot of them kept playing D&D, and a lot of us were heavy into riffs. And then we stopped playing riffs when we heard about Cyberpunk 2013. And we nice. thought, this is this is real world building in our world right. with tech we know, and like it's perfect. This is what it's we enough familiarity, enough expansion for you to really go crazy creatively. Yeah, yeah. that is so cool. That's and really the, neat that it hit like right at that time for your for your crew. It was perfect, and. Then we ended up playing cyberpunk for a little while. We we understood the the ethnic the ethics of of what we were doing as well. I mean, we were pretty mindful, even at that somewhat tender age in the teens of trying to you know it's like you know there are some words here we really should not be using, and so we just found other words to use. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I we we cussed up a storm, but we're like yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna shame for this, we're not gonna shame for that, right? Right. And so right. we we avoided that and like you know. I love you, Mike, but you know, come on, mm-hmm. be that harsh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a terrible enough world. We don't have to go down that route. That's my opinion. Right. But we ended up playing, and then the real thing happened, which was holy cow! There's this game out of a company from called Fast in Seattle, and it's called Shadowrun. And I'm like, yeah, I'm buying this. Book. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was going started... to say that the blending of fantasy and sci-fi with Shadowrun is is right up. And the Your two groups out. that had been separated came Became right back together whole. again. And yes. I was, and I what was, a the, unifier. and That's I was, cool. and I was the game master. And I ran Shadowrun for these amazing kids and friends for. God, I'm so sad. Years, I missed that decades. somehow. Between everything going on, I never got in a Shadowrun group, so never got to really experience that the way it was. Yeah, I mean that is some great stuff. I mean, we started playing it before before the Universal Brotherhood bugs even came out. We, you know, when I got the supplement, when it was, it was brand new and no, you know, I'm reading it alone, including the big, the big handout fold out thing of just, you know, somebody's diary of what has actually happened. The whole journal thing. Those who are like super OG Shadowrun know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the flip out whole book of, yeah, this is what it's like being, you know, indoctrinated into the Universal Brotherhood and you just start basically quaking as you read this and i just it just struck me as a reader somebody wrote all this this is really good yeah. <laughs> this is terrifying me and i'm just going to play this game and it's just amazing how well it was written yeah like really good detail to cuz i haven't read it but I, but i understand that it really encompassed a lot of the world building but in a very like in character way so it was very like tactile and very like easy to connect with and 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 then use that understanding to like understand more about the world. Yeah, Shadowrun was great at being prescient, in my opinion. They they saw internet trolls and bulletin board systems in a way for their game system that we now take for granted with Twitter. I mean, somebody makes a post immediately and you know dozens of comments. They're making fun of your original post, or they're re- or they're <laughs> hashing in, or they're mm-hmm. correcting your grammar, or they're correcting your information, or they're adding their experiences to what you have written. Right. That's the kind of thing that happened in Shadowrun just with somebody writing it out. Right. Yeah. Not not ever having seen the impact of social media or even social media being a word yet. Yeah. It was already like this is how people are when you let all of them poke at a thing without any like fear of uh, reprisal and yeah, we so. had <laughs> we had bulletin board systems back then but they were so difficult oh, to either so access different. or get involved oh, i mean we're yeah. talking CompuServe days aol oh, yeah. days pagers yeah, di- not so dialing phones. into the to the bbs and like mm-hmm. you have to know the person to get the phone number in the first place and mm-hmm. all of that stuff oh yeah yeah absolutely 
I mean, if you don't know Maggie McMuffin, I mean, you're you're done. You know. See, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Dave, seriously. Stop Maggie it! Ma- it's seriously there. Stop! Stop it! <laughs> oh my god! So that, that that's really cool. I mean, that's uh, obviously like very informed by all of the sci-fi RPGs that were coming out at that time. And that makes a lot of sense with our topic tonight, because you are with your kind of background in creating things, creating worlds, creating games with your friends. You're now making a game anew, like you're 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 actually producing a game now, and that is so cool to me. I am, thank you. There, um, so I ended up getting emails from Kickstarter. I've kickstarted a lot of things. I've put money into a lot of different kickstarters in my time, but I never made one, and I never had something that I thought was good enough or great enough that I really wanted to put out there for everybody. So what I chose to do is when I saw that Zine Quest 2 was happening, I decided that I would take an, a very old idea of what my idea of what a solar system galactic type uh, universe would look like and the conflicts that have been in there. And we're talking something, you know, I, dumb ideas of mine of if these are the these are the worlds and this is how it happens and these are the people. And a lot of the tropes that I do like and a lot of the tropes that I don't like about sci-fi, I started throwing those together and I ended up putting a world together and I started writing it all up pretty much regularly for the last two years. Nice. And in the last six to eight months, I finally finished the other part of this, which is taking all of the dice systems that I've looked at and enjoyed and basically throwing them out the window and saying, I don't like I don't want this dice system to I don't want my world to run on those dice systems. I want this dice system to be completely unique, something that works, something that makes sense, um, that is not the gajillion of dice six for for uh, for damage. For shadow run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yep. it's it's not you have to have one of every shape and sometimes two. Right. And I didn't want it to be a thousand D tens and I didn't want it to be just one D twenty. And, and I just thought, you know, it's, it can't work that way. So well, I what did up you come up that. with? Uh, that was so one I came of up... my questions about your, your <laughs> die situation. So I came up with, in my opinion, the best die is the most underused die, which is the D12. It's the dodecahedron. Mm. And so my die system runs on 2D12 is all you need. Huh. And the logic of it is that a D12, uh, the number 12 itself is first the, the highest number you can get with the most integers that go into it. So you can it works on 1 and 12, 2 and 6, 3 and 4. That's six different integers that will actually allow you to separate out high lows, middles, everything else. So oh, so like, for like bracketing the various numbers inside and saying, okay, this is like low, medium, high on yeah. the die. Yeah, and the number 12 just seemed like a good thing to work with anyway, because if you take out the 1 and the 12, the highest and the lowest, you have 10 options in the middle. And mm. who doesn't like having 10 options just right. right there? So so the idea is 1 and 12 don't really – you know, you fail or you succeed. It's just, it's a done deal. But you get bonuses or negatives based on rolling that on, on your die. And the extent of the explanation of the die system itself is that one of them represents your – mental prowess or your your mental capacities and they that's the number that you're attempting to roll based on your mental stats and you only have four mental stats and then you the other die is your physical stats or your physical actions or your capabilities and then the other four stats that you get so it's eight stats two die and it rolls pretty smoothly. So are you rolling both at the same time to make sure that like on the mental side you have this covered and then also on the physical side you have this covered? Or is it often that you're rolling one or the other? 
No, you roll both pretty much every action you ever do wow, because cool. the what the successes you're attempting to get is based on you, if you're attempting to outwit somebody or you're trying to figure out some lore or you're trying to do some other type of action that has to do with uh, uh, outthinking somebody else. You're rolling your wit stat and whatever your mi- mind die comes up with, if it if it's a success then you're going to get your you're going to get the information you want if your mind or your mind if your matters uh, die comes up um, outside of the realm then your body is giving a tell and somebody else will know but your body can do something that your mind doesn't want it to do and can give you away and you can That's even critically cool. fail with your body but succeed with your mind and vice versa that is cool. So you get the information and there's that spark of aha across your face and somebody else figures out that you have learned something that you needed to learn. There's more context to the role other exactly. than, oh, I succeed, I fail, but there's no other like give and take there. Like that's really, I like that approach. Definitely. I also wanted to make sure that we got real away f- with my game that we got away from the idea that if you have stats that are single digits, you shouldn't be afraid to use them. I wanted to make sure that there was a game system where oh, if you have a four or a nice. five in a stat, it matters. That's good. Yeah. That's really that's 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 average. That's not below average. That's pretty average. So you're not always saying, well, I've got a 12 in this. I've got a 13 in this. And then you're rolling, you know, 30 something or when you roll your die that that that's too wide, in my opinion. It just adds too many. It, it's too interpretive at that point. If you hone it down to a smaller number, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to not only uh, storytell, but for the characters and the player characters to get more involved as well so that they're feeling more confident. The other thing about my game that I want to make sure that happened was that there was an even balance between the crunchy mental stat cap- uh, characters and the physically taunt ones. So I wanted there to be an opportunity for somebody coming at you with a knife that you can add, you can be smart enough to say, I'm going to get out of the way of that knife. And right. you can get out of the way of the knife. You don't have to be the fastest thing. You have to be smart enough to move out of the way. You have to be move, You have to be quick enough and be able to anticipate what they're doing. Because that's the other thing. And they'll telegraph if they fail in their physical attack, you know, then they're going to telegraph what they're doing with their mind. That's really cool. I like that a lot. There's a, there's a lot of ways for somebody to say, well, I'm building a character that's more mentally powerful, more physically powerful in certain ways, but it's okay because there's going to be a counterbalance and there's going to be situations where they don't have rockstar stats at doing this thing, even if it's something that they would probably be doing on a regular basis, because there's some uh, second aspect to it that would be difficult for them to get uh, get all the points up to it. And the last part that I wanted to make sure of with my game was that there was an ability to feel the rewards of what you're doing, because we've all played role-playing games where you take actions and a big big event happens and something good comes about it. There is experience points awarded during the game, and you may use them either to re-roll immediately, or you can immediately change a stat permanently. Oh, wow. You can oh. build up your character in-game so that it's stat just like a changes. video game. You can build up your character just like a video game. You know, in the middle of the game, I'm I'm playing a level and like yeah. level up. Okay, done. Yeah, and then now suddenly your accuracy is impre- improved. I mean, yeah. people learn like this all the time. They don't go home and sleep on it. You know, they don't tally up how many points they got in the day. And then they say, you know, <laughs> oh, you know what? I know I can shoot that gun a lot easier now. You know, right. I slept on it. I'm pretty good. No, no. You've shot the thing four times and suddenly you've gotten really good rolls and you've gained the experience during the game. You already know how to shoot that gun better. Your stat has improved. Yeah, yeah. The spark of inspiration is struck in the middle of this intense moment. And the character is now better than they ever were before. Yeah. And they don't go backward. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that experience add-on. I mean, the die roll stuff, you know what I mean? We've seen some other ideas, but the whole stat growth, I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've I've played enough games where I wanted to be able to use this kind of experience and knowledge and say, if I were playing a game, if I were making a game, this is the kind of stuff that I would like to be able to access and be able to utilize. And sure. I don't think players of my game would, would feel any different than I would when it comes to that. You know, I've, If I were sitting at a table playing the game that I've made, this is exactly what I would want to have happen. Yeah, oh, yeah, God. exactly. You're you're making the game you want to play, and that makes tons of sense. And, the, and we, we got all into die roll, but what is the game about? Yes. <laughs> oh my so God! The, I just realized we got into mechanics without theme. <laughs> right. Success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the game is called Terranary. It's T E R R A N A R Y, and it's a play on the word Terran, and it's a play on the idea of the concept of of a tyranny. And it's also mm. a word that uh, exists. Um, it also means uh, a terranary is also a, uh, a, a like a biosphere. It's a, it's an area in which individuals or um, uh, plants or fauna or flora um, can grow and build and create and oh, cool. become under the, come under under themselves. In this setting, we have no connection whatsoever with Earth that we know of, but we have human beings inhabiting three planets. So sci-fi, one, around sci-fi one, setting. It's, it's a sci-fi setting. Three planets, and there is one, and and a sun. So the pl- the system itself is is seven planets large, and the planets that are inhabited are the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and they're close enough to the Earth that they're all in Goldilocks. Ah, close but enough to the sun. Close they're all to close the... enough to the sun. They have the yeah. Goldilocks capability. They have tens of billions of people living throughout i mean it's it's as in okay, and, explain as it, goldilocks uh goldilocks area is the concept of of finding a planet that is suitable for life uh, as we know it uh in right. the solar system it's it's not so close to the sun that it's boiling and it's not so far away that it's freezing it's like in this specific zone where you can have like temperate weather and not too hot not too cold right it's just like right for human life planet. Yep. Yep. Our planet is in the Goldilocks. We we evolved here. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we're really good at living here. And if we went to another planet, we maybe not so good at living there. <laughs> exactly. So in this concept, the, this this solar system, three planets happen to be that. However, there is a fourth area that was considered habitable. It took some work, um, but what it wasn't a planet. It was the moon that orbits in a locked phase around the third planet, mm. which itself is a gas giant. So the third moon, the third planet's moon became the center for their collective governments. Each planet rules itself in different ways and with different forms, but they're all just human beings. And in order to keep from, you know, beating the crap out of each other on a regular basis. And there have been wars, but the only way that they've been able to maintain the peace as long as they can, even as dicey as it gets, is to have a unified government that they can't control. They have to send representatives and have a, basically an EU or a UN kind of a scenario. So on that moon is away from the other three planets is where all the real decisions for everybody else happen. But they're the ones who also decide who does all the mining. They do all the mercantile. They do the intergal- intergalactic uh, um, 
telephone. They're the they're t- they're Ma Bell basically. They do all oh. of the laser connection for for uh, communications. They're sure. the ones who do all the shipping lanes. They're the ones who maintain order when it comes to everything else. They're oh, the ultimate I'm, judges. I'm kind of, of reminded everything. of like Comstar from BattleTech. You know, the, this is they're, similar. They're the ones that do the communications, and I'm really just honing in on the communications. You mentioned a lot of other things in there, but that makes a lot of sense to have like the, there's this thing that they are in charge of, and uh, no one else it gets to be in charge of that thing, and that's how yeah. they like maintain their power and authority. Yeah, and and it's not even a matter of you know what they're doing is important, and it could be considered you know very tyrannical, but it's done in such a neutral fashion of no, if we don't do this, then you will each have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And each one of the worlds basically say, we don't want to run that. That's why we created you. That's why you're there. But we also know that we have to adhere to certain manners of order. But that sure. doesn't mean that there is an intrigue. That doesn't mean that there's constantly things going on. Because sure, there's whoever pirates. Can get in there's there pirates do doing things. Oh, like, yeah, there's, there's people... smuggling all over the place. There's a yeah. black market. There's tons sure. of bad things. That's awesome. Yeah, I like this idea of like, and and the so there's a there's these three different like main powers, and then then there's this neutral territory, this moon. Mm-hmm. Are the three like main worlds? Are they like what what kind of differentiates them from one another? So the the principal um the so the three worlds the first one um the fourth planet is called Aero Prime, and it is an arid desert like kind of planet but it is not dune it actually has water it has uh, a pretty decent amount of water actually but it's more like an oasis it's much more like oasis it's very very it's very arid and warm and uh, tropical so it could be construed as a vacation planet in which case a lot of people do go there for such things so they get a high tourist action so they've got lots of fruits and they've got lots of water and they've got lots of art but they also have all pretty much they've locked down all of the the capabilities of creating starships and, and spaceships so they're the ones who really know how to make good vehicles and getting from planet to planet hmm. the the fifth Fifth planet is a planet called Marset, and Marset is effectively an ocean world. There are enormous civilizations created for places to live underwater and on the water as well. But they have enormous. They they basically take care of all the water needs, desalinization. They take care of all the other planets where they don't have a lot of water. Sure, most of it comes from Marset. So they they're then they're also enormously creative and capable scientists. So they're doing a lot of engineering and mechanics and creation of that sort. And the third the sixth planet is a planet called Sul S U U L, and Sul is a rocky, icy type world where there is an enormous plethora of uh, of animal life and artists and thinkers, and they are basically a Roman style type world where it's mm-hmm. a very rugged place and they're also the furthest out from Terranary from the moon so they're usually the the bastard stepchild left out in the cold but there's sure. also enormous amounts of minerals and wealth gold jewels rock minerals everything they're incredibly hardy people they are able to go out for long periods uh in in deep exploration they they're pretty good and this entire system has the other part of it going for them they don't have dinosaurs so there is no fossil fuel capability 
everything runs on basically solar power and energies that they can create from nature. Oh, so wow. they are so they are stuck on battery power for pretty much everything. Now they do have the ability to do fission, but there is an enormous no-no on on uh, on uh, on fi- sorry on fission. The fission is the one that has the no-no. Fusion is allowed. Mm-hmm. You can fuse because it's easy enough to have low waste and not have any major fallout from that. But fission is a big time convention no-no. No nukes. So gotcha. they don't have nuclear power. They have nuclear capabilities, sure. but they don't. But they don't use them because why would we? Why would we ruin our planets? That's a terrible idea. I mean, <laughs> and it's also inefficient. It's not the way to make energy. They've they've well passed that convention. What are some of the types of games that players are going to be experiencing with this? Like, what are some of the themes that they're going to run into? So a, so a few of the themes that they'll run into, there's obviously the smuggler ring issues that they have because everybody makes something and that something can be improved upon or added some illegality to it. Drugs are a big scene. Human life is not exactly what I would call cheap. There are large conventions against murder. There are large conventions against causing others ill deeds or ill harm, I should say. So not a murder hobo game. It's not a murder hobo game. It is definitely a thinker, if you will. But there's intrigues throughout because everybody pretty much starts low, and the ultimate goal is to get up and up and up and learn more because there, there's, there's so much intrigue between the planets, and even just on each planet, there are yeah. intrigues. But the, the lore is going to be very rich. It's the, the Kickstarter is just a good start to get you going. I intend to release two adventures before the end of, uh, before the end of 2020, nice. so that people can get into it. It's going to be pretty big. It's, it's a lot of fun too. As far as other things, I mean, you're going to be able to fly, fly spaceships. You're going to have combat in space. You're going to have combat in other places if you're those who want to yeah that's what i want i've got a bestiary to create that's just finishing up you have three planets worth of beasts to make (laughs) you have a lot of beasts to make i have a lot of beasts to make because you know three worlds worth of beasts yeah that's pretty fun part of this you know i uh, as i'm listening to all this kind of come out it just you know we were talking about Greyhawk the other day and it's like oh my god mm-hmm. Patch you put all this time in and made your space <laughs> Greyhawk it's like you just you know it's not just hey here's a game here's a game with a elaborate two plus year history behind it Very I much. mean you guys have been or you have and and is there any other collaborators. Uh, yes, um, um, my principal artist's uh, Sarah Yoshi. She's a Portlander as well, and she is running all the art. We have uh, three right now. I think we just added our third artist to add with oh, her. Excellent. So four people here in Portland drawing. Myself as principal writer, and I'm just about to bring in a friend of mine to help me do some of the copy. And then we've got, and then we've got, in my opinion, the best gaming group. I have, you know, outside of my the mods that I play with, but in physical form because they're all in other parts of the, of the country and yeah but here in portland i've got orcs 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 and we D monthly i dm for them and we just put on a uh, an amazing event where people show up buy a ticket and we give them a three-course meal an original adventure with a professional dm like me and all of us and people get to eat and drink and laugh and play D and oh, have a fun. great night and some people make that their date night i mean it's so much fun that's but they're going to play, they're play testing with me and they've been wonderful doing some of this. That's incredible. Yeah. That, I, I really like the idea of you're making this, you have a lot of local people there helping you put this together and play test with you and, and that kind of thing. And like really give this passion project some legs. All of your talent is in Portland. Every bit of it. Keeping it in the family. 
I, and I do want to kind of harken back to, you mentioned at the very beginning of this, you had talked about your Kickstartering here in February, and this is going to come out probably at the beginning of or during your Kickstarter, and you're doing it with Zine Quest 2. Yes. And th- so for some of our audience who maybe has never seen a zine before or has never seen Zine Quest before, can you kind of describe what the zine is and what Zine Quest is and all that kind of stuff? Because this is something that I've loved growing up, but I think a lot of gamers these days have maybe not seen one of these before. And sure. so to like give them a little bit of context, that would be really nice. So Zine Quest uh, is a concept that Kickstarter wanted to go back to the old days, like you were saying, of where original role-playing games kind of came out of people's garages or their backyards or their where have you. It was just, you know, nerdy kids and guys and gals who uh, wrote their zines out by hand or they typed them up on typewriters and then they yes. cut them out and put them on paper and then they yep. folded them over and then stapled the middle and, with a saddle stitch or what have you and then just put them on shelves of local gaming stores and people could buy them and that was pretty much a zine i mean i bought some of my first concept role-playing games basically that way at my local store this was before magic the gathering cards or even pokemon cards right i was still running around with a game boy in my hand if that was you know and that was high tech <laughs> right uh, you know yeah all yeah but you go to your gaming store and there's like all these like little ash can zines they were like handmade by a mm-hmm. non-professional magazine maker and they ran it through the copy machine and printed off like a hundred copies maybe and your store had two of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other store in town had three yep. and, that, and that was it. That was like, that was their entire distribution model. And if they were gone, then you go into the game store and you're like, Oh, they're gone. He's like, yep. Uh, here's your three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> buck 50 each. Right. <laughs> yep. Buck 50 each. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I love that like kind of grassroots creation of a thing. And so you're making this, you're releasing this as a zine, like a bite sized game it's like 40 something pages mm-hmm. right 48 pages yeah yeah perfect and it's like all right cool here's my world building here's my uh, setting information here's my rule system here's how i make a character sheet you know and all of that in like less than 50 pages Precisely. and it's a, and it's going to be smaller right like most zines that i remember were all the a smaller is is basically like an eight and a half by 11 folded in half was yeah. the size of a zine back yeah, in the that's day. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, a, it's eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper printed to both sides and then folded over. So mm-hmm. 12 pieces of paper folded over. And, you know, of course, the outside one will be a heavier weight just because you want that. But yeah, that's that's a zine. And that's what that's what Kickstarter wanted us to do. And I've I've been making those kind of little things for for scripts and other things for quite a while. So I've been I've got a lot of experience in doing that. So I'm I was more than happy to do that. And I thought, yeah, this is a good reason to do it. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. And so after the Kickstarter and you have the zine made, what is the you've mentioned two adventures. So what is the future of this thing? Because back in the day, zines were very like for as long as this person is gonna keep running this through the copier, the zine is gonna be printed. But nowadays you have digital distribution with drive-through and Kickstarter and all these different options available to you. What is the future of Terranary? So the future of Terranary is after the zine is done to start building out the world with more zines. So it will continue to make new zines and distribute and build from there. I intend to continue building them and building them on to uh, Kickstarter and continuing to allow it. I think in time, if it does catch on and if it's really good, then we're talking about possibly having an actual core rule book and a hardback. Yeah. 
That's mm. cool. I was just thinking that like you get enough zines together and boom, you've got a cool rule book, right? Yeah. <laughs> you get your bestiary. That's the bestiary section of the core rule book. You have a player's guide comes out eventually. And that's the player's guide section of the, of the core rule book. And it's like, you know, five or six of these in and you're basically there as far as a cool rule book goes. Yeah. I mean, I wanted this to be, I wanted not just to make a, a, a new role-playing game and a new role-playing game system for dice, but I, in a world. I just wanted to also make sure that it was something that was affordable because I don't know if anybody else is feeling the same way I am, but there's there's a sim, there's a good thing about how much everybody is getting into role-playing and playing these games. But I'm also very concerned about the costs becoming something that we can't grab anymore. And right. I want to keep something that is very affordable and still very uh, interactive and enjoyable. And that people can also feel a little ownership about. And part of that was being part a moderator for a lot of these communities that I have you know, gravitated toward and enjoyed is they feel like they have a part of it. I feel like I have a part of it as well. I'm not just you know watching Critical Role or, or Vampire the Masquerade or Ellie by Night or any of these other amazing shows. I'm part of the community and I have a say in it and I have a stake, so mm-hmm. to speak, for Vampire at least. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that that was something that I could create as well with Terranary that people oh, could that's have cool. a, a so, there, so, so in addition to all these things, you also have a community feedback expectation in here that like anybody who gets into Terranary joins you, your community, and becomes part of the conversation around the future of Terranary. That is my hope. Absolutely. That's awesome. How, uh, maybe it's too soon to tell, but how are you doing that? Well, are you creating spaces for people to join you in discussion or is there like a place where you expect people to go to be able to contact you? It still is rather young and still new to the idea. I wanted to get the, the rule book into people's hands first, but there is Terranary.com. It's T-E-R-R-A-N-A-R-Y. Dot com mm-hmm. and uh, there is possibility of opening up a patreon it's just a matter of bandwidth and whether or not people are interested in that right discord channels are also an opportunity to do that but I am on so many amazing ones already that they're they're interested in being involved but uh, I'm just chatting with them first so we'll see. Yeah, that's really exciting. I I love that stuff. I mean, like on our front, we have a a community. I couldn't imagine doing this project without a community. So uh, I'm always excited to hear when someone says, oh, yeah, I'm making a community or I have a community around this. Like that's to me, uh, I almost couldn't see it going any other way. So it's really exciting to me that you're that you have one or that you're like uh, anticipating uh, generating one for all of this. That's really cool. And I love that they overlap too, because yes, High Shelf is awesome. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, there's so much like crossbreeding, and like I, you know, it's funny. I'm in the I'm in these cyberpunk communities, like the official cyberpunk, and then these unofficial ones. And everyone's like, "Man, you guys all share so well." It's like, yeah, like uh, if you're into this type of game, if you're into sci-fi games, you're into this other type of game. Like, you're not going to limit yourself to one Discord or one show or one product. You're going to be in five or six discords, watching five or six shows, engaging with five or six projects because you're into the themes, you're into the, the, the genre. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really cool that you're like already steeped in this genre and a, and a member of those communities. And so there's just tons of overlap for you already. Yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for all the folks that I've gotten to know and meet and chat with and in all the communities that I've uh, been involved with. And I hope they'll come along and see what this is all about as well in Terranary. Yeah, definitely. All right. So it's not a murder hobo game, but if I go crazy murder hobo, where do I want to play from? What is the planet I want to be from? And what is the race? Rich, rich asking the rich question. Rich is asking the rich question. Um, yes. If you were, if you were looking to be very physically buff, I would, I would highly recommend either being from Marset or from Sewell. 
Marcel. Yeah, ice true. ice rocks, ice rocks, baby. That's where you're coming from. I like yeah. that. I see rocky planet. Rough and I can't wait to be in someone's earth. campaign and just be trying to go murder hobo the entire time, and they're all like, "No, bro, this is not <laughs> well, murder just, hobo. You know, do not burn the, the, the village down. Do not launch the nuclear device." <laughs> I, I I am convinced all murder hobo parties are an easy solve with basic consequences. So sure, Rich, do your thing. <laughs> yes. Amen. We'll, We'll see your character behind bars before too long. What could possibly go wrong? Right. <laughs> yes, I was almost right. arrested. Yes, I know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I mean in game, Rich. I mean in game. No, I meant in game too. Not the time oh, I knocked okay. all that shit over, but that was a different time. <laughs> but yes, I like the idea. It just does not completely go murder hobo. That there's actually a lot more element to it. I'm really digging this D12 system. And yeah. man, the whole idea of going Zine and and not saying, let me just put out a PHB and a DMG. You know what I mean? Let's kind of grow right. this a little differently. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. Some of my, you know, Larry sends me some stuff back to basics. Uh, you know, we do a Zine every year at Gen Con. I really like that format. And it's a really yeah. easy way to get in. Yeah. When, when Kudos. Talking to me about the fact that you're doing this as a zine, I was like, what? This is like kismet because like I'm a huge fan of zines. Rich grew up with zines. Zine. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, Rich. <laughs> I'm going to reach through this microphone. My hand Don't is going to find wherever you, you are. Don't all night, but go on. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> House Clavin Raw, I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go on, I'm sorry. Dude. Oh my gosh. No, but no, that's like one of the things that like when you said, oh, I'm releasing this as like a, a, an affordable, easy to grasp, easy to get into zine or zine as the Wisniewski say. <laughs> um, that I was, it immediately like harkened me back to my youth and back to like these projects that we're doing that are just so fun. And like the community digs, you know, like people, they get it. And it's just so approachable. And I, I, I'm really a huge fan of, of your approach there. That's just so cool. Thanks. I'm, it's, it, I got to give credit to Kickstarter for giving that platform that opportunity. And they're promoting things as well. There, since the beginning of March, there have been dozens and maybe even 100 different RPG zines that have already come out and gone and been active. Um, and they're all doing very well, as far as I can tell. So mine launches on the on the 12th and it's because of d12 system and then i wanted to run it for 12 days so it'll end on the 24th perfect perfect i love that 12 12 then 12 24 Mm -hmm. beautiful well excellent how can people so we're going to link to the kickstarter in the show notes so folks if you if you want to uh, get involved get your access get your hands on the zine and all that good stuff kickstarter of course will be linked down below but but Patch, how else can folks find you, get in touch with you, you know, get more information about other projects that you're working on? So I do plan on, after the Kickstarter ends, of uh, doing an email distribution list of updates on Terranary and what things are doing. Um, they can get part of that email list at Terranary.com, T-E-R-R-A-N-A-R-Y.com. Yes, And I lists. will be mailing oh, people my, out and my other let youth. them know what's new. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to do email lists all the time. So it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, and it, I do it. I do it in Warren Ellis style, where I do partial stream of conscience, and also it's an actual letter. It's me just writing something really nice That's and cool. showing you bits and pieces of things we're working on. So, Patch, uh, we've, we've actually gone a little over your time here, but I really <laughs> do appreciate all the detail that you've given us and you coming on the show and sharing with us this passion project that you're doing. And 
I, I just love like the whole vehicle of it. I love the the ideas uh, in it. Just, you know, at the surface level that we've heard so far, I'm definitely going to be uh, following and, and backing and all that good stuff. So well, I'm, I'm appreciative of both of you. Thank you so much for bringing me on. And uh, I love your show. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah. Dude, can't Excellent. wait to grab it. The good deal. Yeah. I can't wait to get yeah. this. Yeah, it's going to be so nice. Thank you again for coming on, Patch. It's just been it's just been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Everyone at home, thanks a ton for listening. And as always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends. Take care, friends.